0: The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com. And you are very welcome along to this week's RTE Rugby Podcast. A couple of days out from the second test between Ireland and New Zealand in Dunedin. And delighted to be joined by Bernard Jackman and Michael Corcoran, who's coming live to us from Dunedin. And as he was just saying off air, staying in the, the All Blacks Hotel, getting a bit of inside information on us. What have you? What have you seen so far? How are you comparing size wise to a couple of those all black
1: lads? Uh, it's probably the same weight, but unfortunately theirs is distributed over a higher, uh, kind of a higher, taller kind of individual. So fair about it, uh, it's kind of interesting, really. The first person I met actually when I came in, when I was checking in, was uh, the former Ireland forwards coach John Plumtree, and uh, we were chatting at uh, at reception, um, because they were heading out to training a couple of moments later, and. Um, uh, Greg Fee came around the corner so he's only back in camp um early today with them so they're all they were sort of you know sort of going what did you make it last week what about this week what do you think whatever the whole thing so we were just kind of shooting the breeze with them really and um they were heading off to go training at the at the stadium outside so uh, big sense of anticipation uh i was offered help with my luggage as i was trying to struggling to push the uh, trolley into the lift sam kane was coming out, but i thought I didn't really want him to miss the test on Saturday because he jarred his back trying to lift some of the bags that I had to bring. So I'm sure that we'll have a couple more awkward lift moments uh, between now and, uh, and and kick off on Saturday.
0: It would have been a nice yarn for the old commentary. In fairness, you could just drop that. <laughs> there's, there's been a late change. Sam Kane. He's he slipped oh, yeah. after after lifting lifting my luggage a couple of days ago.
1: Yeah, I did. I just didn't feel I didn't feel kind of comfortable with it. You know, <laughs> I mean, if it's if it's kind of one all after Saturday and it's going into the last, well, I'm not in there team hotel next week that's the uh that's the reality about it yeah but uh look i mean they're grand relaxed casual um aaron smith and body barrett even getting out of the lift together you know so i mean they play together they get out of the lift together um and there's a good kind of camaraderie there between them but uh, they feel that they you know you kind of get the vibe from them. They're grand relaxed, really ahead of um the game they have a very very impressive uh, track record outside of the foresight bar stadium uh, and indeed in dunedin you know so um it's a formidable task as it always is when you play them.
0: Yeah. And what's your, what's your itinerary been then for the week? Uh, I know a lot of the, 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 Irish traveling over there took in a, a bit of Queenstown for a couple of days. Have you just gone straight from Auckland down to, down to Dunedin?
1: Yeah, we, we stopped off in, um, in Queenstown just for one night actually. And, uh, there are friends of mine who are, who are living there and, uh, they they drove me from from Queenstown to Dunedin because they're coming down for the test game. Um, it's a four hour drive, um, you know, across some spectacularly beautiful countryside. It's a bit like, kind of, kind of, you know, I was compared to Connemara, Donegal, Kerry, West Cork, that kind of that kind of vibe about it really. And um, uh, that that's 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 to get to here. Um, I tell you something, I've never been so happy to see Dunedin in my life because it's a long journey in the car to be to be honest about it but um yeah you know Ireland stayed in Auckland until yesterday and then uh, traveled down yesterday afternoon the old blacks came here on Sunday so they've been here for the full week uh it's quite cold actually um it was minus one or two when we left Queenstown um earlier earlier today but um it's not not bad here I mean it's four or five degrees but um it's still there's a kind of coolness about the place but uh, the one thing i would say about quite a lot of the places around new zealand from talking to people and from just walking the streets uh massive shortages of staff uh, from overseas you know because the country hasn't opened up properly yet after covid so a lot of places are closed down a lot of places are closing early because they just can't get staff so it's a it's a it's a problem from uh, it's a problem all over the world i'm afraid yeah and
0: that's Weather burners, thankfully, isn't going to be an issue on the day of the match because it's going to be plays inside the, the closed-door stadium, the the Forsyth bar stadium. Uh, just to quickly run through the, the team news that uh, we mentioned was named in the last couple of hours. So there's one change for both sides. Mac Hansen comes in for Keith Earls for Ireland. So as we expected, Johnny Sexton does start. Uh, Rob Herring and Finlay Bealham are both uh, promoted onto the bench for Ireland. Bealham's just out of his COVID isolation as well. And the one change for New Zealand sees Dalton Papali come into the back row. Scott Barrett shifts into the second row because Sam Whitelock has ruled out. But they've also put Aidan Ross and Falao Fakatava onto the bench, who will make their debuts. And also Will Jordan, who missed last game because of COVID. He is back in the number 23 jersey as well. But, Birch, the, the Ireland lineup just the one change, Matt Hansen coming in for Keith Earls on the wing. Like, it'll be interesting to see how Hansen gets on, but I suppose ultimately it's not... It wasn't really something that Ireland were lacking at the weekend. You know, you weren't looking at that game thinking, "God, Mac Hansen would have really changed this." It was probably in the in the set piece and those those areas that that Ireland fell down on last week.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Look at obviously, um, Keith his quality. Hansen potentially will offer something a little bit different. But yeah, you're right. That's not the, that wasn't win the losing of the game. Um, certainly, I'd hope with the with the roof being closed that will help our handling. Obviously, we. We gave away some um, uh, from too many unforced errors in, in terms of our ability to move the ball um, across the back line, which Ireland have been very good at. So that's that's something that you would expect us to be better at. Um, and I think the fact that he's able to go with a very settled team again, you know, it's, it's effectively our best team. Um, uh, we'll hopefully see a, an improved performance. We seem to be a little bit. I don't know what it's hard to know whether we were fatigued or whether we were just shell shocked but we certainly weren't as good as we we have we can be and uh, I I'm fascinated to see how test 2 we we improve uh, I hope we improve and, and um obviously we we put in a, a a more much more competitive performance
0: yeah and it's funny like the the scoreline and what you would think of a game because I actually missed the match on Saturday I was away at a wedding for the weekend so I wasn't in a position to to see it so I obviously got up on Saturday morning and I think it was midway through the second half and you see the scoreline and you're going "oh Jesus! don't like to look at that" so I said I'd I'll hold off and I'll watch it in full you know when I'm when I'm back home and stuff like that and sure I was getting ready to to come back in and work on Tuesday and it was getting to Monday evening and I've been putting off this thing for about a full day now about watching it and I said you know what I'll sit down and watch it and I was actually quite surprised in the first half because for the first 20 minutes I was watching this thing going geez, this is looking all right. You know, it was, what, 7-5. Ireland were playing reasonably well. The attack was was actually causing a few problems. And then all of a sudden, it was just in that second quarter of the game where or even the 10 minutes before half time, were just exploded. But, Bert, with the... the I suppose the, the trouble they actually did cause New Zealand in attack, is that something, that, something solid that they can kind of build on heading into the second test? Yeah, I think so. I, I actually don't think the
2: All Blacks are... are... Amazing defenders, they're just so good with, with the ball that they have. So certainly it was interesting the way we, we plugged down that blind side consistently. We got soft soft meters and then we were on the front the front foot. So that is something we can definitely try. I'll be interested to see how they try and stop that. Um we probably just need our, our ball, our forward ball carriers to be more dominant. So we probably need to get like supporter, tight furlong. Um Doris needs to have a bigger game, he has been more active. That that was the problem. I think we ran out of ball carriers. Um, or our ball carriers weren't having this, the impact that they had been in, in, in the six nations. So probably from a forward point of view, you know, obviously there's a set piece part of it, but there's also that ability to win gain lines and create quick ball and, you know, our rook speed and um, the, the service that Gibson Park had last weekend was nowhere near what we needed to be for our attack to be um, functional. So, or not functional, dangerous. So, yeah, I, I think there's definitely movement improvement there. Um, and I said, I think, you know, Michael knows more than I do, but it seems as if the, the feeling, the mood, the confidence is, is still very high. And yeah, they're, they're looking forward to the second test.
0: Yeah, Corky, like is, has there been any sense from, from what you've seen in the last few days, speaking to the, to the players and coaches, that they, they've been a bit rattled by that result? Or are they, are they still looking? Are they still feeling confident, do you think?
1: I think they are, yeah. I mean, what one word that keeps coming up all the time is uh, composure, or indeed the lack of composure, um, you know, from, from an Irish point of view. I mean, if Paul O'Connell last Sunday back in Auckland told us um, that the word he used was poor, I asked him about the lineup. He said, I, I thought we were poor. Um, you know, uh, the set piece was another issue. Ty Gferland spoke about that um, yesterday, about the number of scrums that they lost as well, and that's probably a little bit surprising. Um, I think that Ireland feel that they can be better, um, that, that they'll have to be better and improve in those areas. But the, the, I was kind of surprised really at um, some of the decision making. You know, we, we we fought hard enough to try and win the ball and to try and turn the ball over. And then we did. And then we sort of kicked it away and gave it back to them. And we're inviting them back on, on to us again. And that created all sorts of uh, all sorts of pressure. So. Um, I think Ireland are going to have to be far more composed. I think they're going to have to hold onto to the ball an awful lot more and try and play the game to their strengths and not get kind of suckered into an all-black type of full-court press, you know, like in a game of basketball where you're going from end to end, basically. That's fine. The crowd needs to be entertained, but Ireland are here for the win matches, not to entertain the crowd. And that's what they're, that's what they're going to have to try to do um, here, in, um, here in Dunedin on, on Saturday. The track is the same for everybody um it's interesting listen to ian foster and his press conference earlier um you know and he's talking about uh, how dalton Papali and 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 people like that will bring a, a degree of speed in terms of what they're trying to do and in recycling the ball and trying to attack Ireland more and um, i think that's kind of given um an indication or an in- insight into their mindset if you understand um, ahead of the game
0: yeah and bernard like to to go back then to the the scrum and the which um, obviously two areas of concern over those uh, over those 80 minutes and probably have been for a little while as well particularly the scrum with Leinster and with Ireland like how much how much can you how much of a quick fix can you make on those things because I, I know people talk about you know the referees interpretation and like we would have seen the game against England for example in the Six Nations where we came out afterwards and Andy Farrell said you know oh we've had feedback from World Rugby that you know we were doing the right thing it was you know some of those penalties should have gone the other way but unfortunately those penalties still aren't going the way of Ireland. Those decisions aren't going the way of Ireland. And sooner or later you have to kind of fix that problem yourself. You can't be relying on the, the referee to be digging out of that hole.
2: Yeah. The best bit of news I've, I've come across with the Irish Scrum in the last three months is, is Michael's interview with Tyke Furlong and you, 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 you had it up on the website where he actually just admits that they just need to fix it and they get better. I think up till now, there's been a huge amount of blame the referee, blame the opposition props Um and we haven't actually addressed it. And the beauty of it is you can actually fix can fix a lot in a week because there's technical and tactical issues in our scrum. Uh, look at I think with Andrew Porter, Dan Sheen, and Tyke Furlong, we shouldn't, we, we should be capable of um you know having a high level of success in our own ball and not being weak on their ball. I think after that, it's not as simple because there's a there's a power deficit against some of the some of the bigger teams in the world, but Think back to and know I'll go back a long way, but it's just maybe something that the listeners might remember is the, the Northampton Leinster uh, final in in uh, in Cardiff, where mm. the first half, the first half the Saints were on the muck at scrum time. And at halftime, you know, Greg Feek was able to, you know, get the forward into the showers and show them an overhead and they could see where the fault lines were and they could and they fixed it in the second half. And it was a part of sexton wasn't bad, but it was a part of our of Leinster. Being able to win the game so things can happen quickly in a scrum it's a, it's a change of mind it's a slight change of angle um can change the picture completely so again that's an area that that's Ireland should be better um and no more talking about referees and, and, and opposition cheating the reality is the scrum has always been about cheating well um we just need to be a little bit more street smart
0: yeah and then in terms of the out like there's it seemed like there were issues all over the place there. There were a couple of, I, I think there were two missed lineouts that weren't even contested by New Zealand. One just seemed to be completely overthrown by Dan Sheehan. The second was, it was hard to tell, was the throw early or was the the jump and the lift slow because the timing was just off. And then there was one that was just just read by Brodie like he just got up ahead of his man. So is, is it worrying, Birch, that there seems to be issues not just with a throw, but it seems to be between sometimes the throw is off, sometimes the communication isn't right and the timing isn't right between the players, and then sometimes the calls just seem to be off as well.
2: Yeah, look, I think it's probably, it's probably one of the ones where um, I think that definitely the second week the second week, look, I have no doubt Paul O'Connell and um, uh, you know, the, the, the line-out leaders I think we, we, we struggle maybe for a, a world-class line-out caller, so it's put more pressure back on Paul um, and that's not something that James Ryan can't develop. It's just probably not part of his repertoire at the moment. Um, but again, you know, New Zealand have shown her hand to a certain extent how to defend. Um, you know, Sheen Sheen is is incredibly impressive. Um, as a, as a rugby player, but he's still very young in terms of Test experience. So I think he'll he'll have to come on again from from that outing. And they, look, I've no doubt that we have the brains and the uh, personnel to win quality ball so I wouldn't I was more concerned it was it was probably a manifestation of the fact that we are handling was so poor um our scrum was poor and then we're focusing on, on those lineouts. I think you know our line out is capable of of winning winning good ball and um again I would expect an improvement there.
0: And Cork you've been on duty following the All Blacks media as well this week I so saw you'd you were dealing with Ian Foster earlier on as well. Like how how have how have they seemed to, to have reacted to the to their win at the weekend and also the Ireland performance?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, a couple of things there. Um, in terms of their win, obviously they're delighted to do so. But again, their mindset is not, um, you know, oh, we've two matches left. Maybe you know we'll win one of those and we'll be grand. Uh, Ian Foster's attitude is two matches left. But we've got to win on Saturday, you know, I mean, they're looking to close out this series um, on Saturday. So that tells you a sort of champion winning mindset from um, from their point of view. Um, he's quite complimentary. And indeed, most New Zealand people that I spoken to during the course of the week are very, very complimentary towards now what is um, a healthy rivalry between Ireland and New Zealand. Like we're in a situation where I've been coming down here for years. Um, and you know, there, was a, there was a stage many years ago, where if we scored one try against the All Blacks, we were nearly going out celebrating, you know. Um, last week we scored three, we were held up over the line on probably another three or four different locations. Um and, and, you know, we scored three last week and we're grumpy with ourselves that, that we didn't execute or didn't, didn't score more. So they're the kind of standards that we're trying to judge ourselves against now, basically. But, but the All Blacks have huge respect for Ireland um, there isn't a ticket to be had for any. Well, obviously, you know, of the three tests, 114 and a half thousand tickets have been sold for for the three games. You can't get them, even um, as uh, you know that the people that I travelled down with from uh, from Queenstown were, were getting phone calls from people back in Queenstown and, and mates. there is theirs wondering if they had any spare tickets for the game, and these are from non-Irish fans, basically. So it's the hottest the hottest ticket in town. I mean, the place out the out the way holds 28 and a half thousand. It's um, it's it, it's full. I was talking to a shopkeeper a while ago and he's going to the game. Dunedin is closing down so everybody can go to the game. That's the excitement that it's brought because we must remember, you know, in terms of the COVID thing, we're obviously, you know, eight to 10 months ahead of them, but they are playing a, um, a match now in front of a full house for the first time in a hell of a long time. So, you know, and, and, and that's the respect to have for Ireland. You know, we were talking about last week, you know, at the previous five games, I think with three wins, it's now three out of six, but it's, can you imagine? Here we are, three wins out of the last six matches against New Zealand. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it, the, the place is a sellout. Wellington is awash with excitement um, next week from an Ireland um, point of view also that, that Ireland are coming, but um, certainly New Zealand will try and close out the series this week. And Ireland, honestly, do feel that they have a chance of, of, of doing something this week for to level the series up.
0: Yeah, and like the, the flip side, obviously, to that Corky is, you know, there, there's been a bit of a cloud over, the I'd say, the coverage that we've had on, on Ireland in the last 10 days or so off the back of the Maori game and then the, the first test where we're talking about two defeats. Thankfully, in the last year or so, we've been a hell of a lot more used to winning than losing. So it's a little bit new territory for the, the, the recent Irish team. But the flip side to it is that if they can go and get a win in Dunedin this week... All of a sudden, you're heading into the final week of a tour. It's one game level apiece. You've got a really, really exciting Maori game coming up on Tuesday. And the buzz is lifted back into this tour dramatically if they can go and get a victory.
1: Yeah, it's a pivotal game, really, isn't it? I mean, it's the third match in a a five-game series. I mean, you know, in in previous trips that I've come down here, like for the British and Irish Lions uh, tours, people have always said the Maori All-Black Game is like a fourth test so we effectively, are would have played five tests in the space of three weeks. Um, there'll be an awful lot of things that will be learned from that. Uh, but I mean, if they can cut down the error rate, you know, I'm, I'm not saying, it's not as simple as saying, chalk off the several Reese try or chalk off the RD survey, you know, bouncing ball try before half time. that's 14 gone off the, that's 14 gone off the total. That's kind of too simplistic to be perfectly fair about it because I think New Zealand were certainly capable of going up another couple of notches. Uh, but we're, Ireland are capable of scoring tries as well. And that's the frustrating thing about it. I'm still convinced, by the way, and I said this to one of the New Zealand backroom staff downstairs, we were we were talking about the the chalked off tries. I'm still convinced that the Joey Carberry one was a try, but it wasn't given, you know, and that's down to, that's down to the officials um, and obviously we have Jakob Piper in charge of the game this coming weekend so it's going to be different. I mean they're going to have to be more composed in terms of a team and I think they're going to have to be more composed in terms of dealing with a match referee as well because it's a Southern Hemisphere referee and regardless of whether we like it or otherwise there are kind of nuances between the way the match is refereed in the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere and um the man in the middle of this week is going to have a have a big say, but I think Aaron have a have a have a good chance, but they've got to cut out, you know, the uh, the number of mistakes that they made um, last week in the opening game.
0: Yeah, and first like the the mistakes, I, I know it's it's a little bit it feels a little bit silly sometimes to just talk about oh there were a lot of individual mistakes and you know there were good things that the team did, but like if you look at it, there were just pivotal tiny little errors that were pounced on, like Severese's intercept try. Uh, the bounce of a ball just catches someone unawares. Now I know there was a it was a break right through the middle that Ireland let them have to begin with, but then you've got Ardie Savage's second try early in the second half, and that was Gary Ringrose, who I thought actually had an outstanding game up to that point, just slipped off a tackle that 99 times out of 100 or 999 times out of a thousand you'd expect him to score, and then likewise Ireland probably could and should have scored a handful of other tries but just got held up the line. There were tiny little margins separating what was in the end a, a 23 points difference.
2: Yeah, there was. But I mean, when you look at us, like some of our players hadn't played for, for quite a while. Even our our frontline players, our Lencer players, you know, the, they were a week less in terms of game time. The Blues played the Crusaders in the, in the Super Rugby final, you know, the weekend of the URC final, I think so maybe just looked a little bit off, you know, uh, uh, half a metre off. I um, think that game will, will will bring us on. That's the positive outlook on it. The other outlook is that, you know, we're running on, on fumes and it's the end of a long season and we just need to, the players need to get to a to a beach somewhere and, and you know, build back up again because it has been a long season. Uh, so that's the, that's I think we'll find out a lot more on, on Saturday. If we're a little bit off Saturday, it's probably more down to fatigue than, than the fact that we, you know, it's been a little bit while since some of our players played because I think that match last week will have got them back up to, to that level in terms of match fitness and, and match speed very quickly. I'd just be interested Michael, there's a rumor around Dublin that Harry Byrne is coming home and um, with, with a hamstring injuries. What's the latest on injuries in the camp? Obviously, it's great to have Rob Herring back, but um how do you think they're shaping up for next Tuesday with some of the knocks that are out there?
1: Yeah, that's one of the things. And I mean, you're also in a situation, say, for example, um, you know, with um, with Dave Heffernan, like concussions knocked him out also. That's the story there. I mean, I was at training in North Harbour Stadium um, in the week. Um, there's always people who, you know, are carrying knocks and all of that type of thing. Now, Harry Byrne actually trained uh, that day, uh, but Keith Earls and James Lowe didn't. And I asked Mike Cat about it. And he said, like, Keith Earls at you know, at um, at at his age bracket having played 80 minutes against the Maori and then 50 minutes against the All Blacks, like it's just a, a matter of trying to look after the man's body, basically, to be to be fair. Um, Rob Herring back, um, that's that's important in terms of um this week. They obviously want to get a, a sort of a bit of a, a bit of mileage into the legs of um Rob Herring and indeed Finley Beelham. I think it's it's kind of un, not unfair, but I think Tom O'Toole is unlucky to uh, to 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 lose out on that that uh, bench spot there because I thought he did quite well I'm a big fan of his um, but they obviously want uh, Finley to get some some mileage in his legs after the COVID thing and uh, with a view maybe to the uh, Murray Black game um, you know like next Tuesday night because that that that's a day less like the last time there was a Murray Black game it was Wednesday um, so it's 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 uh, Tuesday this week so it, it puts a bit of pressure in terms of the playing thing but it's it's Look, like, um, in terms of Harry Bourne, it's massively unfortunate from his point of view if his tour is finished. You know, given the fact that um, they picked him in the first place to come out here, they obviously like him. Uh, would have wanted to see him in a competitive situation. Um, they see him in training, yes, uh, competitive match. That that opportunity is missed out now, so that's uh, that's unfortunate timing.
0: Yeah, it is, and like for. <laughs> His entire, I suppose last 18-24 months, it seems Berners has been a bit unfortunate timing. Now, look, hopefully he's hopefully he's fit enough to to play some part, but I would I would imagine he would have been hoping he certainly would have been playing well long before a fourth tour match against the against the New Zealand Maori as well.
2: Yeah, look, he's he's obviously a very talented player. Um, and he's just struggled a little bit and there's there's you know worries around his robustness. Um, but that's, you know, he's young. It, it'll come as he, as he develops physically and he gets used to the, the, the stress that playing, you know, high-level rugby, whether it's provincial rugby or, or international rugby, um, uh, puts on your body. But I suppose from a, from a development point of view from Ireland in terms of finding out who is really number three, you know, behind Sexton, you know, if he doesn't play in this tour um, or he gets 20 minutes next week in the Maori game, we were going to be none the wiser, really. That, you know, and that's the that's the unfortunate bit. But look, at that's that's out of Farrell's hands. I think they they made a big call to select him, um, and they obviously believe in him. But just unfortunately, he had that that hamstring or, or groin issue, and um, yeah, it's, it's it's delayed his his ability to play, and hopefully, it doesn't. Hopefully he gets to play next week, but
0: there's certainly a feeling that he might be on the way home. Yeah, that'd be a real pity. Um, Michael, speaking of obviously the, the other out half and Captain Johnny Sexton, there was huge confusion earlier in the week as to to what his situation was regarding the was there concussion was there not and the, the head injury assessments he had. So we finally had it cleared up a couple of days ago that he was not concussed. the, the process is that you know on the pitch or you know down the down the tunnel when he was taken off he goes through the the first head injury assessment and that indicates essentially whether he needs another one you know he, he if he if he fails it it does not mean that he has concussion that goes on to the the HIA2 which he has a couple of hours later and then ultimately there would be a third one a couple of days afterwards it it does seem like we can clear up for you know the RFU have cleared up that he was not concussed they were going through the the steps as they normally would but has the the mixed messaging not really helped? Like it was it was pretty muddy waters up until probably Tuesday afternoon when we finally actually got the clarification as to what all those steps were.
1: Um. Well, I, I mean, we now know what those steps are. That's the that's the reality. Um. And until he actually went through those steps, um, we couldn't we couldn't comment on it. Um with with the correct hindsight and the correct information basically um now you know i've come from the the press conference where andy farrell was was asked the question just about johnny sexton and how he was and he said first and foremost the most important thing here is the health and welfare and well-being of johnny sexton it's not you know stick him in at any cost or take take a take a risk around anything with him so you know people people have opinions uh, people are entitled to opinions but you you've got to you've got to uh, take on board the correct facts and have the correct information before you can make um, you can make um, a, a correct call. Now I know personally some of the uh, people um, who are involved from a medical point of view with um, with the with the Irish team, um, and they've been there for quite a long period of time, um, and I have the utmost regard for them, and I would say to you that. They are not people who will be taking risks with the health or well-being of any player. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, Keane Healy to Harry Byrne to Peter O'Mani to Johnny Sexton. They will put the health and well-being of any player above anything else. And they have followed the correct protocols as far as World Rugby has laid them down. Um, and and we're finding we find ourselves in a situation now. Oh, so we have a, we have a probably a greater understanding of everything. But, you know, when there's lack of information or lack of correct information, that that leads to all sorts of um, theories knocking around the place and how, you know, and, and comparisons between, you know, aren't one country great the way they do it and another country aren't, and maybe the RFU are disgrace and all of that type of stuff. But the, the, the people that I, I, that, that I know who are involved with the RFU medically would never take a chance with the health and uh, well-being of any player, and obviously it's Johnny Sexton in this situation. I just had a brief order with him. I mean, he came in to do some of the embargoed media in the room we were in, and I had a brief order him as he's gone out. And I said, uh, "I said, how are you feeling? You know?" And he said, oh, "I'm grand. There's nothing on me. I'm absolutely grand. No problem. I'm trained away." And um, he said, "We just need a good performance now. That's it."
0: And Birch, is it, is it probably just the fact that it this all happened within a few days of? The, the Jeremy Lockman incident last week that probably has just added, you know, been a little bit of fuel on the worries and frustrations some people would have had around Sexton. Yeah, and, and the Heffernan one as well. There's been
2: three concussions, sorry. There's been two concussions and Johnny obviously failing HA1. Yeah. And then obviously people jump to the conclusions that that means he's concussed. But we now are very clear that the protocols um, mean that if he passed HIA two and HIA three, it's not technically a concussion. So, look, I, I think the, the, there's so many moving parts to this. Um, uh, it's really the perfect storm for speculation and controversy and outrage. Um, and then you know, and, and including that is the Tom Curry and Tom Francis incidents, which are completely separate in their own way. But as Michael said, you know, everybody reads them, send them home, and they're, and like why can't that happen to Johnny but the reality is every individual deserves it to be um, totally unique to their situation and 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 their medical record and their incident Um, I think the problem was a little bit as well you know to add to that perfect storm was you know it's only recently that we've all been hearing about the uh, extended concussion protocols where you can't get back in seven days and um, you know people there there was part of that uh press release which said you know um if a player has a history concussion well then they can't get back in seven days anyway right so but the problem is johnny technically isn't concussed because he, he only failed ha1 so um yeah it's just a it's a lot of noise um i think to be honest we're all i actually was on a, a broadcaster call on monday tuesday with ruby players ireland ruby players worldwide and World Rugby and Dr. Ana Falby was on it and they explained this brilliantly to us, you know what I mean? Um And, you know, I think that's the that's the important thing now is that um, it's very clear and transparent what actually is expected of players, what is expected of medics, and it takes away a lot of the distraction and, and noise that's obviously, that's not fair on Johnny, it's, it's, mm-hmm. and it's not fair on the Irish Medical, as Michael said, uh, team to be questioned by um by non-experts people are, uh, thousands and thousands of miles away but that's that's what's happening in this case and i suppose it's the nature of the growth of the game and as the nature of the the love everyone has for johnny sexton as well and uh but the reality is yeah we're, we're a million miles away from us and um we have to trust we have to trust the doctors um and, and, and medical people and, and as i said as michael said and i i, I know them as well you know I, I i would too you know what i mean um, but they're following they're following their guidelines
0: yeah absolutely and just before we finish up guys obviously new zealand named their team they just have the one change as well dalton papalee coming into the the vacant spot left by scott barrett who's gone into the second row and sam whitelock who's out of the game birch sam whitelock is <laughs> like he, he's not a small loss you know he's a lineout caller for new zealand he's one of the best second rows to have ever played the game is that, how, how how big of an impact is, is that gonna have?
2: No, I think he's a big loss. I think to be honest, he had a he had a very poor game in Dublin in November. Mm. He got rattled. Um and I thought he he was outstanding last week. It was like, you know, someone of his experience, there's certain games that they just know they want to nail, and, and he he nailed that. Obviously, the fact that Scott Barrett has moved from six into second row takes away one of the defensive line options. So again, that should that should help us. Probably he's a Bigger ball carrier, um, but he's less of a, of a liner option. Um, and they brought Patrick Tupelupu Alutu uh, uh, onto the bench, who's a is a very powerful player, but has been away and um, playing as rugby in Japan. Will Jordan come back onto the bench is a is a boost for them, to be honest, because um, you know, a lot of people think he would have started the first test only for, for COVID. But, um, so yeah, I, I do think the White Lock being out is a boost for Ireland, but it's certainly um a very talented and exciting all-backs. Twenty-three, uh, you know, not uh, even with his omission.
0: Yeah, and and finally then to you, Corky. Like Birch mentioned, Scott Barrett, and there's been a lot of a lot of people in Ireland would say that he shouldn't really be playing this weekend. What is the reaction been down down in New Zealand to that incident between himself and Peter O'Mahony? Is there a sense in New Zealand as well? He was he was quite lucky
1: yeah a, a, a lot of people will a lot of people will say that um but it's kind of interesting and that again goes into the interpretation of of the way people look at things um which which can cause a, a lot of frustration as well too um you know we we feel from an irish point of view or irish people will feel that maybe you know i mean that could have been a red card but the deciding commissioner had a, had a peek at it and uh, decided that no action should be taken really, so you know, he he gets he gets ready to go again this week um, uh, into the second row. I think that the the loss, as, as Bernard said, the loss of uh, Sam Whitelock is, is immense, you know, not not just uh, not just his work around the lineup, but, you know, the fact that he carries the ball so often as well. Or like, you know, when I was doing the match on the radio last week, you know, there's so much happening like in, in a game like that Um and eventually at one stage, I kind of in the back of my head, I went Sam talking. and I thought, God, you know, in my head, I went, gee, he, like whatever time it is in the game, he's actually still on. Like yeah. he's still causing glam, which he's still ball carrying the ball quite, quite a bit. Now, there, there, there was a big debate down here uh, during the course of the week about Dalton Papali'i, um and whether he should be selected ahead of Sam Kane. Now, you know, um, I was on a radio thing there with uh, Justin Marshall uh, during the course of the week and he was saying that Sam Kane is the, is the captain. You know, he's he's um, he's not going to be dropped, but the people are, are quite excited about the fact that, you know, they have managed to squeeze Dalton Papali into the back row. Um, so I think that'd be a, a, a bigger threat on a on a on a dry track. And um, again, as I said, at the very, very outset, I think they're going to try and cause us some um, difficulty but trying to play play the game. At a at, at tempo, so we've got to see how that's going to work. But could I just just back to the concussion thing for a second? Mm-hmm. Um, we're in. I'm, I'm in the city Dunedin, which hosts the University of Otago, and I know I've been on calls with Anna um, Falvey in the past, Doctor Anna former and doctor now at World Rugby, and it's right here in this city that a lot of the studies are, are 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 being done into concussion, and that's why the World Rugby upgraded their their protocols recently. Um, so a lot of the background research and study and everything is actually being done right in the city where we are here so i mean we should acknowledge the fact that um, you know world rugby may not always have it perfect but they've taken on board the latest statistical information and this is an ongoing process and will obviously be an ongoing process for a long period of time
0: yeah it certainly will uh but listen lads that's where we're gonna have to leave us. live commentary corky uh, uh five past eight kickoff two fm this weekend yeah.
1: Yeah, FIFA stage, uh, be up, be up, be early and be ready, as I
0: said. Good stuff. And uh, Barch, enjoy the match as well. Thanks a million for joining us, bye fellas. Bye. Good luck, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. The RTE Rugby Podcast,
2: sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com.